We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Well, it's time to play around with the the sports guy here. You're playing baseball still, aren't you, Ed Weekly? Yeah, yeah. You still do it? Yes, I do. How long have you, all your life, you yeah. played baseball? Yeah, I grew up in baseball. My dad played pro ball, and then I just always played. And he played for what? He was in a Yankees organization. Kept oh, getting hurt, but yeah, great. Was. Yeah, that's where I grew up with the Yankees. So, were you like in the Corey League? Or? Yeah, I played in Corey League all the way up. I still play in senior leagues across the country. We were just getting ready to head to Fort Myers oh. uh, in a couple of weeks, oh, but gosh. the series has been postponed this year because think so. of everything that happened in yeah. there. We play in the you know the spring training uh, stadiums of the major league teams down there, but everything's on hold. And what about the Corey League? What is the Corey League? Who started it? How did it start? And it's it's not just in St. Louis, though. Well, it was actually founded in, in St. Louis mm-hmm. by a, a man, George Corey, in 1934. It was a way to get his kids some activity, their love of baseball, and his wife had pushed him to do that, and it was like a, getting keeping kids out of trouble. He felt that if... They had activities. They wouldn't get into trouble. And so it was founded here. It then was spread across the entire country. Uh, and then even post-World War II, as you know, if soldiers and things were in occupied areas sure. of, of Europe and whatever, it became a stable over there of playing baseball. It's still headquartered today. You don't quite hear about it as much today no. because all these communities have taken over uh, the turf, if you will. They they want to run their own programs in lieu of having the Cory Leagues. But, you know, it's still in presence. Belleville, Illinois' Cory League, just across the river, is one of the oldest in the country. Now, what about American League, Legion uh, American Legion, you know, oh, my God, St. Louis has had some of the strongest American Legion teams, regular participants. They've won it many times. Uh, we had the great Stockham teams, the Anheuser-Busch team, hmm. uh, Baldwin uh, uh, team won it. Edwardsville. Belleville was a regular. And one of the neatest moments tied to the American Legion was in June 1948, just before he was dying. Babe Ruth came to St. Louis the week after he did his big farewell at Yankee Stadium because he had a commitment to the American Legion team. St. Louis and Belleville wow. were two of the top in the country, and he wanted to honor that, even though he knew he was dying. And so many men from the American Legion, always point to that special day. But like everything, baseball has taken a little bit of a backseat in these last decade or two, and as that, so has the American Legion teams. There's still good American Legion teams in St. Louis, but not the amount 
and many in the quality that we had in the past. Now, we're talking to Ed Wheatley, and he's telling us about a lot of things that we should know about in St. Louis, St. Louis history and sports, like corkball. Wasn't oh, that a St. Louis creation? It was a cork. Corkball was the creation of St. Louis. Uh, you know, if you think about looking at pictures even growing up, you know, in the 50s, 60s, 70s, um, taverns all over town had those corkball cages in the back. Churches had corkball cages in, in either outside or even indoors. And, hmm. You know, it was one of those things, it was created here. You know, there's the, the tales of was it created by some parish priest or was it uh, Chris Vonderei, who who eventually owns uh, what was the St. Louis Browns, becomes the the legacy of the St. Louis Cardinals. He owned a bar down on Grand, and they were taking the plug out of the uh, beer carol, uh, big uh, the beer crates, and then they were using broomsticks to hit it around, and that <laughs> part of the legend, where did it really start? But it was... American soldiers once more going hmm. around the country as they were stationed for World War II that were teaching everybody about this game called corkball. I mean, Yogi Bear tells the stories of teaching Yankees at Yankee Stadium. Men in the Pacific during World War II were playing corkball on aircraft carrier uh, decks. And I mean, it's there, there was just so many pieces of St. Louis history that is unbelievable. Yeah, what about pickleball? That's a big thing these well, days. That is the, the latest craze. You know, you've, we've gone through crazes. You'll remember in the 70s and 80s how racquetball came on top of tennis. And, you know, racquetball courts were everywhere, you know. Right. And, and now they're they're become more limited and and, and uh, not as multiplicitous as it was in the past. And now it's pickleball. It's a little easier than tennis. And as our generations age some, they're finding that as a great outdoor activity, and it's a, it's amazing as you go around to where all these tennis courts were or even subdivisions that had tennis courts. They're all making adaptations for pickleball. Now, this is an interesting thing. The Pink Sisters, you're familiar with them? Um, no, I'm not. In North St. Louis? They, oh, the Pink Sisters, oh, yes. the, the religious. Yes. Yes, I know which ones you're talking about. I thought uh, you, there's a lot of... Sports teams, like oh yeah, the, right, Strange. the redheaded girls that are in the <laughs> of basketball, they're in the Missouri State uh, Hall of Fame. That's uh, but yes, I'm familiar with the with the nuns and yeah, the, right, the, right, the, the Pink the, Sisters down there by Grand. Yes, yeah, right, right off of seventy in Adelaide. They, they want to play pickleball, but oh. c- can they play it indoors? Do you? No, know? you should be able. I mean, you know, you go out to like Chesterfield Mall, which is uh, a lot of empty space. They yeah, have put in sure all is. these pickleball pickleball courts. In, in the uh, mall right there where, you know, people used to walk up and down. All right. And it's packed every weekend. All right. I'm going to let them know because yes. they're interested in that. Uh, I know you've, you're in, in how many halls of fame are you in? I mean, it was a long list, I know. Yeah. We're, you know, we just, uh, you know, I work with the St. Louis Sports Hall of Fame, the Amateur Baseball Hall of Fame. we got the St. Louis Browns, you know, historical side. We're heavily involved in baseball and have done work and spoke multiple times up at Cooperstown, that, that hall of fame there, the baseball. Gosh. So, yeah, get around. <laughs> this is exciting. We'll be right back. Uh, we're talking to Ed Wheatley. And when we come back, we're going to talk about a Browns luncheon coming up and some big event uh, next year, uh, March the 14th, and other things. And, of course, his big books. I'd hate to carry all those books around. They are heavy, except your newest one isn't as heavy as the other ones, but it's just as interesting. St. Louis Sports Memories by Ed Wheatley. He will be here with us in the next few minutes again. I'm Johnny Rabbit. We are at your service at KMOX. What about sports? Oh, I don't even want to think about baseball after last night. We'll forget that. We don't have to talk yeah. about last night. Oh, oh, you, we're talking about sports with Mr. Sports, Ed Wheatley. And 
Uh, off the air, we've been discussing various things and popular in St. Louis and so on. We'll get to that. But I want to make sure we don't miss out on the uh, Browns luncheon, the St. Louis Browns luncheon. Yeah. Um, next week, October 19th, we've got the St. Louis Browns luncheon. We've had Browns luncheons every year since 1984. Remembering this team, they played 52 years. You know, Baltimore doesn't have anything to do with us. No. So it's our mission to keep the legacy alive. We got, uh, you know, in the past we've had in eight, in 19 and 20, we had over uh, 400 people at each of these things. Uh, we're at the Missouri Athletic Club. You can get tickets by going to our website at thestlbrowns.com and just go to the events uh, tab and you can read all about it. We got Jerry Royce, the famous uh, Cardinal and Dodger pitcher. He's got a lot of Dodger I mean, excuse me, Browns memories. He's coming in to talk about those Browns growing up in a Browns family. Uh, we got Ray Doswell coming over from the uh, Negro League Baseball Museum to talk because the thing about the Browns and St. Louis has so such a rich history yeah. and so many firsts. The Browns had a sec, uh, third and fourth man to play, African-Americans to play in the major leagues, Hank Thompson and Willard Brown, and the first team to put two on the field at the same time. Hmm. Seven years before the Cardinals, 12 years before the cradle of democracy in Boston. And we're going to honor those men. And then Satchel Page followed right behind sure. them. So, I mean, they were very progressive, led by Bill DeWitt Sr., the father of the Cardinals owner, Bill DeWitt Jr. And we're going to honor all that um, at, on this luncheon. And, uh, it, you know, it's just we pack the place with memorabilia. People all remembering the special team. What's that address again that you said to get tickets? Or? The, the stlbrowns.com. Okay. Then again, what, what's the date on that? October 19th. And 19th. It's a 1130 luncheon. Uh, you know, we do it that way because we are like everybody else. We try to keep it reasonable to make people come. Sure. $40 for Browns fan club members, $50 for not. And you're going to have... As they say, baseball didn't end last night. We still have baseball that's in right. October. We should, we should. Come to our luncheon next week. <laughs> Come to it. It would be very enjoyable, I yes. know. And that, and that uh, I mean, it's just a wonderful organization. Can anybody join? Anybody there? can join. We have, sev- you know, we're about 700 members across the country. Oh, wow. uh, I mean, we're over, I think last count, we were in 42 states. We had members, and uh, we do events throughout the year. We publish magazines. It's a, it's a great way just to remember the golden years of baseball. I know a friend of mine, Professor Bill Moriarty, is listening right oh, now, yeah. and he is wearing a Browns cap as yeah. he, he um, listens. He said he would. Many and people do. What about the 14th of March? What is that? Okay, I came out with a new book, St. Louis Memories, Forgotten this book Teams. book right here? And, or no, a different book? And, no, it's this one here, it's Forgotten one. Teams and Moments from America's Best Sports Town. It just came out the other day. It's just hitting stores, uh, and it's being really well received because we make the story that there is another city in, in this country that can match St. Louis. We have such a diverse, rich, lengthy history. It's not just about, we're not a one-team or two-team town. It's not about right. winning championships. It's, you know, baseball, of course, hockey, football. I mean, there's these hidden stories. Nobody knows there were four NFL teams in St. Louis. They don't know that there was an NHL team before the Blues, and we did have an NBA team in the Hawks, but they weren't the first NBA team. We get into those histories. We get into the history of Arthur Ashe. He couldn't oh, yeah. play yeah. tennis in Richmond, Virginia. He couldn't play against whites. He couldn't play indoors in the winter. He came to St. Louis and was coached by Dr. Richard Hudlin 
and he moved to Richmond Heights. That chapter is called From Richmond to Richmond Heights. Hmm. And that's where he played and honed his game, you know, here at the Armory in St. Louis with, you know, Jimmy Connors and all the greats, the golden girls of tennis in the 60s. We had three women, um, and they were all playing at Wimbledon, the Australian Open, the French Open. You know, I went when I was writing the book and met with them, and they, they have their dining room full of medals and trophies from Wimbledon and all these oh, other boy. locations. You know, and it's these first and this diversity. You know, we talk about the women and all they accomplished. St. Louis was where the Women's Bowling Congress was formed. St. Louis was the bowling capital of the world, especially owned by Team Budweiser in the 50, 1958. Mm-hmm. And sure. the late 50s and 60s, bowling, you know, was the rage of this town, the Arena Bowl and all that. And you, you tell the stories of that team and all the great other teams and these individuals. I go to Ray Bluth, who's the last surviving member of Team Budweiser, and he had, like the others, he's got his scrapbooks all out in the dining room. He's got his banners, his stories. He's even got his Budweiser uniform oh, uh, that we were great. taking pictures of. And it's just one sport after the other. What was your favorite bowling alley over the years? Did you have one that you liked more than others? Or Well, I think it's more, you know, um, where you grew up. Sure. And, you Makes know, we would, we would always go to Delwood Bowl because we could walk there and bowl mm-hmm. as kids, but... Uh, I mean, you know, Redbird Lanes is the infamous Terry Moore. Oh, Terry Bowl. Moore. I love Terry Moore Lanes for one specific reason. Yeah. It was right across the street from uh, Melrose Pizza. I'm oh, okay. Melrose yeah. Pizza is a yeah. great place to go it right was. after. Now, and, this book is different than your other books. And the, right. Your other books, how many books are there? Four five. books? Five books I've written now. five books, and we made three movies for PBS. And, and what are the PBS movies? Well, the, the first one was... Uh, with John Hamm, we did uh, the St. Louis Browns, the team baseball forgot, and we set records for viewership here in St. Louis. And then we came back. They asked us as a sequel, and we said, yes, we have a sequel. Uh, I wanted to get into the fans, remember. So a baseball legacy, fans remember the St. Louis Browns. That did win the Emmy Award. The other one was also nominated. And we just came out with Wrestling at the Chase uh, oh, yeah. this summer as a film, and it's done well as it has the book. And part of uh, what uh, about that Wrestling at the Chase book, you're going to be at an event that I've uh, been presenting at the Missouri History Museum on Tuesday, November 15th, called The Front Row. And that was a place to be, the front row ringside. Oh, it was like, uh, that was the hottest ticket in town. You know, Nat King Cole, Frank Sinatra, Rosemary Clooney, the Rat Pack could be playing in the Chase Club yeah. about 100 steps away from the Corsan room in the Chase. The guy calls his wife and says, hey, honey, I got tickets for the Chase tonight. She may think she's going to hear Frank Sinatra, but <laughs> no, they're going to wrestling because that was the hardest and hottest ticket in town. It was like Saturday Night Live in New York. You, you know, they have these lists, the lottery list to get on to Saturday Night Live. That's how it was here. Gosh. And you, people would wait months and months and months to get the ticket. And then when they came, they were dressed in formal wear, women in formal gowns. Even, when you watch the films, they even had evening gloves, you know, mm-hmm. and the men in suits or tuxedos and screaming and hollering, especially the women. They were the ones who <laughs> wanted uh, the most. And we had the red-haired, beehived uh, Ruthie shaking her chicken or a big uh, pacifier <laughs> at the wrestler screaming at him. So, I mean, it's great. Uh, what about next? Uh, is it next Sunday you're going to be we're at the Carondelet? We're talking about the uh, Carondelet Historical Society yes. in Michigan. And uh, we're we're talking about baseball there. My book, uh, Baseball in St. Louis, from Little Leagues to Major Leagues, the, how St. Louis has become uh, the best baseball town in America, uh, how it came to St. Louis, how it evolved, what we spoke about a moment ago from the Little Leagues up mm-hmm. to the Corys, how sure. all these things created here. 
the great American Legion teams and high school teams. You know, there was a time in the late 40s and early 50s there were more men in the major leagues from one high school, Beaumont High yeah, School, Beaumont, well. than any other um, high school in the country playing major league ball. Oh, in the country. Ball. I didn't yes. realize. Was... Yes. <laughs> and, you know, today Lafayette has had a lot of ball players, but, you know, we have been a, a great city as Whitey when he and I were talking, he was going through the book, said, God, it's unbelievable. When he was the Mets player development uh, lead before he came to the Cardinals, he said, St. Louis is where I always sent my, my scouts because we had the talent. That's great. What about uh, your books? Are they all available? You can... they, they're all available. You can um, uh, get them at bookstores. You can get them online. You can get them at sportstales.org, or you can get them at readypress.com. And the new one is St. Louis Sports Memories. It's different uh, configuration than the right. other books. Yeah, the others were all coffee table books, which we won a lot of national awards for them. But I wanted a book smaller. Books have gotten expensive, yes. not only to produce, but for people yeah, to buy. And I true. and I, this is a beautiful book. The fact that we could do this with this quality of paper and this vivid co- co- uh, color and keep it in the 20s. Because I wanted this to be, as I said, St. Louis gets its teeth kicked in on our social issues a lot of times. Let's show the world what a great time we are because nobody can match our sports history. No, and We take right. it case by case, sport by sport. I mean, four of the major cups in sports are, are named and from St. Louisans. You know, we've got the Herman Cup, uh, which is given to is the equivalent of the Heisman Trophy for soccer. It's given every mm. January by the Missouri Athletic Club. You know, we've got the Davis Cup, Dwight Davis sure. for tennis. We've got the Walker Cup for golf. Walker family, that's George Herbert right. Walker yeah, Bush's right. family. And then we've got the Sinkfield Cup in chess. Uh, we are the best sports town in America, and I make the case in the book. One thing about chess, the problems lately. The oh, ch- man. It's cheating like, scandal. Anything that, any, whenever you have something good, there's always got to be something, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, there's always the something. And I think, you know, how this is all happening, who knows? But it is in the buzz, and we have the beautiful uh, Chess Hall of Fame and Chess Center across the street up there in uh, Central West End. Beautiful and uh, tremendous story and what the Singfield family has done for this town. That's true. That is and, you know, the co- Congress at first declared us the, the chess capital of North, of North America, America, and it has now evolved to be the world. There's wow. more grandmasters of chess that live in St. Louis than any other city. You know, Moscow, you think, was the, no. Nope. There's more here than Moscow. Well, Ed, thank you very much. Thank you much for having me again. Ed, that's Ed Wheatley, that new book, and I would recommend it, St. Louis Sports Memories. And I would recommend listening on to KMOX at your service. uh, because We've got a very interesting half hour coming up as well. So stand by, because this is Johnny Rabbit at your service. At your service in KMOX, I'm Johnny Rabbit. Joy Grednick is here, and she has a couple of special guests with her today that are our guests as well. This is a merry group. Hi, Joy. How you doing? You look Joy, good. It's so nice to see you. Thank you very much. Got a nice hat on, as you always do. And I can wear it now because I don't have my headphones on. Yeah, so. I was just wondering, <laughs> how do you get the, that's, uh, people ask me, how, do you wear your rabbit hat when you're on the air? I couldn't wear it because how do you get the exactly, headphones on? Yes, man, oh, man. Yes. Uh, Joy uh, is um, the perpetrator of the Fountain on Locust. That's how, kind of the revival of historic automobile row. Yes. The 3037 Locust Street. I hope you've been there to get the Johnny Rabbit Monkey Malt. Or is it a money malt now? Well, it's probably a big money malt, Johnny. But, <laughs> uh, but you know, I sold the restaurant I to know. the Eichenhorst this last February. And yep. they're doing a 
wonderful job. Oh, and I'm so glad that they were somebody was able to take the torch and and not just walk with it, but really right. run with it. So that's nice. Yeah, and that was kind of the you know that uh, historic automobile road, Locust Street, basically. Yes. From what? Street to what street would you say? Well, all of uh, Locust from, I guess, all the way up to Grand and then down past, well, east of, of Jefferson. Mm-hmm. Oh, the whole area was historic automotive row and automotive related. So back in the day, this is around 18, 1918, 1916 in that time, when you got a car, your family first got a car, many families first got a car, that's where they went. They went down to, and it was so amazing down there at the time because it all had plate glass windows. Because, you know, up until that time, a large expanse of glass was only done by small panes. Like you see downtown on factories, you see, it's like French panes almost. Mm -hmm. But here they had these huge plate glass windows, and it was dazzling, like going down at King's Highway. <laughs> it, it was. It was. It, and the, the nice thing is the buildings were stayed for the most part. Very yes. few were torn down. Very few were beyond repair. That's um, absolutely now true. Now, the, when you had the fountain on Locust, that was in, what was the car company in there? It was the Stutz building, and the, it was the Supreme Car Company who had housed the Stutz car, which at the time when I bought the building, I didn't even know what the Stutz car was, but they were famous for the Bearcat yes. and the Black Hawk, amongst many other vehicles. In fact, I didn't know, but at the time, they would make anything that if you would pay them, they would make a garbage truck or a, a oh. limousine or a hearse or anything. Hmm. <laughs> And then all of the old car companies were down there. Nash was there, Studebaker, yes, Locomobile, yes. you and name it. If you were. go down there now, it's really a nice thing to do to walk down the street and see the plaques that the Horseless Carriage Club put up generously uh, about a decade ago or so. Uh, and they yeah. have the uh, old cars that were made in those buildings on a plaque in front of the building. In fact, at that time, it was the format of the buildings was almost all the same down the street where you would have a showroom front, a median, which was the office for the salespeople, mm-hmm. and then a big garage space in the back where they would make the car per order for you. So if you saw a, a model up in the front in the showroom and you liked it, they'd make you one. That's pretty amazing. <laughs> yeah. Well, now something's happening at another location. Yep. 2926 Locust Street. That's right. What in the world is going on there? Exciting thing, and it's coming up this next weekend, the uh, Saturday, the 15th. And my son, (laughs) Keaton Christensen, is in charge of this together with his partner, Jacob Case. Case, and they're both here today. And I'm just going to let them tell you all about it. It's kind of bringing back the history of the street full circle to modern-day car stuff. Well, uh, Keaton and Jacob, this is going to be uh, the 15th. That's this coming Saturday. What time? All day? Start at 8 a.m. for Cars and Coffee. And then at 10 a.m. is when the official event begins with vendors and a couple other things I'm bringing out with flight simulators and the whole Boeing team. So we'll have a lot going on. Great for the whole family to come out. And it'll end at 3 o'clock. Now, you said the whole Boeing team. What the heck does that mean? So from Boeing, we'll have a different variety of groups that will be as like vendors who have different things to show to people who show up whether it be for just fun games for the kids Mm -hmm. candy from the trunk or treat or as keaton mentioned these flight simulators that will kind of just spread some knowledge of what boeing's doing in the community here in st louis how interesting 
There, uh, did, did, I've never heard of that before, do, them doing such a thing. I'm sorry to interrupt, but did we even say it's the Cherry Garage? We did not say that. <laughs> We're trying to keep that a secret. Now okay, you're giving yes. it away. All right, and now we have to tell them. What, what a lousy promoter It's I the am. Cherry Garage. <laughs> yes. Yeah, so the reason that we're doing it there, Boeing, we're grateful for them doing it with us. It's the first time they're doing their car show off campus. And we have an automotive facility that we're creating there, and they, they're very supportive of what we're doing. Well, what do you mean an automotive facility? What, what does that entail? <laughs> That's a good question. So we, uh, we basically just build cars. We do anything car-related. We love it. Um, we have a couple of guys that are working with us in the property, so we're kind of trying to bring back exactly what historic automotive was, or row was. And that's building cars in those buildings and showing them up front. So we have a whole business oriented around that, as well as planning on building a cafe in the front where we can showcase our cars and you can watch us build those cars in the back. Building, actually building cars? Yeah. That's incredible. Yeah. If, has anybody done it yet? Oh, we've, we've put a couple out there, yeah. Really? <laughs> now, they're not from scratch completely yet. That's our main goal that's... in the end. So what, if I wanted you to build a car, what would, I, what would you want to know? What, what exactly what, you want? <laughs> what kind of car you know. I would want? And Are, they, then they also make them; they retrofit um, uh, classic cars to make them electric. So uh, Jacob has a big electrical background. Keaton's real knowledgeable about electric, and um, I guess can't you yeah. make your new oh, yeah. car electric? <laughs> sure thing, yeah. And yeah. you can make an old car. Electric. Yeah. So one of the main things that we want to offer that will set us apart from your regular, you know, custom automobile facility will that is that we will restore any car from any era but then give it you know the futuristic electric drivetrain and all electric controls that you can keep driving on the road when the gas cars are out oh, yes, right it won't be that long well, now, how many people work there to, to do this just you two well we're still in the startup phase of it mm-hmm. of course but we have a group of about six to eight guys ah. there normally and right now we have our own independent projects which we showcase on our youtube channel but Altogether, like, we're still working towards that electric vehicle retrofitting. It's not fully complete yet. What is a YouTube channel? Where can you find it? If you just go to YouTube and search The Cherry Garage. The Cherry Garage. Up. Have yeah. you done that, Johnny? You have to do it because there's... No, got, I have not done it. No, no, I have no idea. Hundreds of videos on there. Really? Right? No, yeah. I have no idea. That'd be worth it. You have to like and subscribe. Oh, yeah, I will. <laughs> yes, it's uh-huh. in that's Spanish. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh, sure. But yeah. it does. I mean, this is coming up Saturday. I mean, somebody can bring the kids, bring the family. I guess there's plenty of room. I've not seen the place yet. Oh, yeah. What, the what was building. in their building before? Oh, that we have the Cole Standard building. Oh, And we have the okay. plaque on the front from the Horses Carriage Club. Yeah. As actually a couple other dozen are manufacturers in there as well. Wasn't but. it the Autumn and the Vale and, uh, again, cars I never heard of? Yeah. Right, of course. The They're long gone. The bigger ones. Yeah, and Cole was really a big one. I mean, they did the same thing as you were talking about Stutz. They would they built hearses and all kinds of fancy. They had a lot of very fancy cars as well. It's an interesting thing that you're doing. We're going to talk more about it and a little more about another historic place in Soulard, if you don't mind. Oh, my. Nothing to do with the Cherry Garage, (laughs) directly, indirectly. Um, So we're going to do that uh, when we come right back. We're at your service. I'm Johnny Rabbit. Our our guests here are Keaton Christensen, Jacob Case, and Joy Grednick. And we will return to the Cherry Garage on KMOX. OX. That's Johnny Rabbit. We're at your service, and we have some guests. If you've just tuned in, let me tell you who's here. It is Joy Gridnick, and it is Keaton Christensen, and it is Jacob Case. They are here for various reasons. Now, uh, Keaton and, and Jacob have a business called the Cherry Garage. 
uh, on Locust. It's 2926 Locust Street. And you're having a big event coming Saturday. Tell us about that event again. So Saturday, we're having a big event. We're collaborating with the Boeing Company here in St. Louis, and we're hosting a car show. So car Now, what kind of cars will be in the car show? Well, there's going to be a vast variety of cars, everywhere from the 20s of the 1900s and the 19th century all the way up to the 20s of, you know, this year. Wonderful, wonderful. Is the street going to be closed off? That's right. We're going to close down the street so we can have all the cars parked out on the old historic automotive row Mm -hmm. for the judging. And uh, we also plan to have some vendors out on the sidewalks. And some food trucks out, as well as some yard games. So, Terrific. Yeah. Oh, well, that's going to be a big deal. Uh, it's at eight, it starts at 8 in the morning, technically, and goes to 3 in the afternoon. And it's coming up Saturday. And it's on Historic Automobile Road. I remember the address, 2926 Locust, the Cherry Garage. I, when you moved in, what was there before? What was in just immediately before? Oh, right prior before that was a, a furniture building company. And we had to clean out the whole place, and we're still in the process of renovating the building. I'd say, well, I'm sure that is a big process. As you know, Joy, from yes. renovating a certain building at 3037 Locust. But, uh, Joy, if Landmarks is coming to visit you, the Landmarks Association of St. Yes, Louis. they're coming to uh, 10 Westmoreland Place. And I think they're limiting the ticket sales to uh, 50 or 60, but mm-hmm. it's on October 29th, starting at 10 o'clock. And that's just going through... Um, the house, 10 Westmoreland, you know, Westmoreland and Portland are the last private places in the entire nation. And they're right here in St. Louis. So St. Louis had a number of private places, but they either became not private over the years right. or were just, uh, you know, demolished by sure, hurricanes like or Vandiver whatever. Place. Exactly, yeah, yes. So this is uh, open to the public, yeah, but you got to get a ticket ahead of Through time, Landmarks, I assume. Yes, Landmarks Association. Landmarks Association. Contact them. It's on the 29th, 10 Westmoreland. How many rooms in that house? Oh, gosh. Oh, there's a question. Shouldn't I know the answer to that? You should. You never After do, but I know you should. 26 years, yes. <laughs> I know that there are 10 bedrooms and 11 <laughs> bathrooms. <laughs> that I know, but I didn't actually count oh. all the rooms, but it's big. It, it is. It really is a magnificent it's place. It's 12,000 square feet, and there's a, uh, a ballroom in the basement, mm. which is unusual. The man who built the house was Louis Dozier. He, it's, he, beca- he had a, a cracker business that became Nabisco later. Oh. So it's, it's actually on the market right now. After 26 years, we're selling our house, and it's being marketed as the Nabisco mansion. Uh, but you know the phrase, Polly want a cracker, that came from this house. This ah. was the origin of uh, the Dozier Will Cracker Company, which at the time was the biggest, biggest business, bigger than the furs, the beers, the shoes in St. Louis, because everybody ate crackers. And of right course. after the war, you know, they supplied it to the war. So um, so it was a, a very, very lucrative business, and that, that man was a good man, and he built a really nice house. Oh, he sure did. He did, <laughs> yeah. he did it right. Now, you were involved with another house, though, beside 10 Westmoreland. Oh, I know, I know. I said, that one wasn't old enough. That one was 1896, so yeah. I had to find something older, but actually it found me. as This house, everybody in the Soulard area or who has familiar with or driven by has seen this house and knows this house it's kind of a landmark house it's the the adams family house it is <laughs> that's for sure <laughs> at the corner of 12th and lamai uh in soulard and that is uh 1876 so and the and the alley house it's uh that's part of it was 1874 and that was dr franz arts who 
put that whole thing together. In fact, it's on the Compton Dry map. the 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 back alley house is on the on the map, but the big house was in the process of being built. There's all kinds of crazy stories about this house that have been going around St. Louis. But one that's true, and it was in the History Museum, is that it's the first house in St. Louis to have radiant heat. This was before radiators were used in homes. So they were used in factories, but they used Mm -hmm. them by wrapping pipes around with heat. And so they didn't, uh, Dr. Arts, who was kind of a forward, kind of innovative, really crazy guy, um, he put he put pipes in the fancy fireplaces. There's two onyx fireplaces that are beautiful, and then they have these ugly pipes. These steel pipes in them because <laughs> they didn't have radiators yet. Sure. <laughs> and he had all those. He had a lot of uh, parrots too. He had uh, an aviary, an aviary, and a uh, fish, a whole grotto that with a, a man-made cave, which is still there. Everything was. I mean, kinda, this is a real underground cave. There is a, a cave, yes. With stalagmites and stalactites? Which and... they stole from all what? of the caves in Missouri. He would oh. be in jail if he was alive yeah, today. Right. <laughs> but at the time, they went out. It was actually in the in the uh, Post-Dispatch in 1901, uh, a story about the, the caves, where they, they said, but you know how journalism is, they said that there were 10,000 specimens <laughs> that they stole from uh, the caves in Missouri. And it really is something interesting to see all the crystals. They took all the good stuff, you know. The, yeah, of course. The, <laughs> the pretty stuff, yeah, and glued it all in there. Now, how big is that house? Oh, it's so tiny. You know what? It's so deceiving. It looks like it's a huge house. Yes. It's amazing how small it is compared to what it appears to be. It's a two-bedroom house, and it's um, under 3,000 square feet. I think it's only like 2,400 square feet, the actual front house. And then we... We did add on, we added uh, the original solarium back on, which we made from photos and handmade the fo- the uh, windows and did all of that um, and added. And, I, you know, it's a struggle when you, when you take a historic thing, what to do. You don't want to change history. And, uh, but there are times where just because it's old doesn't mean it was good. No, <laughs> Usually it is. Usually it's better, but sometimes it's not. So we did make a few changes. Uh, and one of those was we added um, a kitchen because his was underground. And it was mm. a real awkward layout. But back then it was all about heating and air conditioning. Sure. They didn't have any air conditioning. Right. And to have a, a a St. Louis summer with some mm. comfort, they put their kitchen and their dining room below grade. So what's down there now? A library and a bar. <laughs> Makes sense. What the heck? Why not? Well, as the project went on, I was like, every room's going to turn into a bar. No. <laughs> well, when, when did this project start? Now, I mean, this is not a um, six-month project. Oh, gosh, Johnny, I'm embarrassed that you're asking me this because it's, this is actually, we just passed the seven-year mark. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I know it's terrible. But we're done. We're, we're in the final and stages here. So. Oh my gosh. Yes, I know it's it's well. We built two additions, which was huge, and mm-hmm. then we also did something that people always struggle with. Uh, we took all the plaster out and replaced it with drywall, and that's like a fifty-fifty thing where people say, "Oh, you should never do that." Oh, you know, can't wait to get rid of it. Well, in our case, most of the plaster was gone anyway. It oh. was dead. It was moldy. It was oh. uh, it was really decrepit. So, um, and. I had had enough of plaster. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I can die happy without having plaster again, Johnny. <laughs>
Well, well so, a, big, a big job, and it's something people should see. It's uh, right there at uh, 12th and Lamai. Yes. And it does look like something out of the Adams family. Yeah. There's yep. no question about that. Well, once again, we just have a moment to talk about uh, the, the car show. Uh, Keaton, tell us again, the car show is when and where? It's on October 15th. The Cars and Coffee starts at 8 a.m. The main event, event starts at 10 a.m., and it ends at 3 with the contest and award ceremony. You can find it on Facebook if you search the Cherry Garage on the events. And you can find us on just about any social media platform. We mostly use YouTube and Instagram. I know. Yeah, you mentioned YouTube. We've got to get to look at that sometime, too. Oh, yeah. what's, what's on there? Oh, we do a lot of how-to videos, some vlogs. Really? Wow, we cover too. some of our projects that we're building and a couple updates on the building as well. Uh, that's in the historic automobile row, and it is this coming Saturday. What, what about uh, you, Keaton? What is your exact role? Do you are you involved in? As we were talking about, they build, make cars. How do you make <laughs> cars? Do you do it yourself, or oh, yeah. you have... everyone that we have there has a hand in building these cars? I'm here with uh, Jacob Case as well. He's my business partner, and he has the electrical background, and I have the mechanical engineering background. So you got an old car. So you got uh, not that old necessarily a '56 Jaguar, mm-hmm. and you want it to be <laughs> electrified. Can you can you do it? Oh, for sure. We actually have a Jaguar Series One with us right now that we're working on. Wow, this is exciting. This is really something know, to see. Another yeah. great thing about St. Louis, something that is probably not happening in too many cities anywhere. Well, thank you guys all very much for being here, Keaton. Thank Jacob, you so much for having us. Enjoy. Thank you. It's where's, always such a pleasure. Where's your friend Ron Stevens? What's oh, happening to him? Oh, I have to say hi. Hi. <laughs> hi, Ron. Ron, too. Yes. He, yeah, Ron, too. He's there somewhere. <laughs> thank you all very much. I appreciate it. This is At Your Service, and you're listening to KMOX. And man, we'll probably do this again, hopefully, in a couple of weeks. Next week, we will not be here, though. But I look forward to being with you again at KMOX. This is Johnny Rabbit. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.